The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. A bizarre incident happening off the coast of Venezuela starts a world of conspiracy theories involving Antarctica and empty cruise ships. And then we take a look at the story of a man who one night was riding his bicycle home. And he sees a pair of glowing eyes staring at him from the darkness. The next thing he knows, he's being forced onto a craft of alien origin. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had an awesome weekend. I have had an amazing weekend. First off, I want to give a shout out to our newest Patreon, Ori. Ori, everyone. I, I, of course, I can barely pronounce the name. And luckily, he goes, it's okay if you mispronounce it. Ori, really appreciate you supporting the Patreon. Really, really helps out a lot. Ori actually has a really cool episode coming up soon. He sent me a theory that he'd been working on. Sounds pretty cool. And I've been going through that. We'll be covering that later. Also, if you can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. That's all right as well. Just help get the word out about the show. Spread the word online among your friends, whatever, however you can do it. That helps out a lot as well. Second piece of news. This is why you always should watch the live stream, guys. This is why you should be there for live television. Because Friday night we did the movie night. And you won't believe what happened. I'm halfway through it. No, I'm probably 10 minutes into it, 15 minutes into it. Just get done doing the first movie, Housewife. And then live. I totally choke because I realize I have nothing else to say about any of the other four movies. At all. So the movie club's over, basically. And the thing is, is like, listen, dude, the first week, I think we lucked out because I we watched four really good movies and then Mandy was like, still pretty decent. I could talk about it. This one, I was picking movies and watching them. And even as I was watching them, I was like, I don't really have anything to say about this movie. It's just kind of a basic movie. Even the baby was just, it was weird, but it's not something I could really talk about. Then I realized, I don't even know how to run a movie club. I've never even been a member of a movie club or book club I was just kind of picking movies at random when we were watching them together. But at the end of the day, I was like, I don't have anything to say about this stuff. And so about 15 minutes in, I'm like, uh, oh, and also I took NyQuil before it all started because I had a cough. So that didn't help. Uh, this movie was like colorful and had like good guys and bad guys and, uh, themes. And I'm like kind of just looking at the clock being like, uh oh, like if I'm running out of stuff to say now, 15 minutes in. And I got four more movies to talk about. This is going to be rough. And it was pretty rough. To be honest, I probably won't upload her to the podcast. It cost me extra money. Just doing that last movie club cost me extra money to upload that to the podcast. But this one's still available on YouTube. If you want to see me in a snazzy Hawaiian shirt and a slick haircut, check it out. Otherwise, you're not missing anything. I really appreciate the people who did show up to watch the live stream. Really, really appreciate that. But going forward, I don't think we're... We'll still do live streams, but we're not going to do the movie club. It just... It just didn't work out. You know, you got to try stuff out. And maybe if we had picked better movies the second week, we would have done a third week. But the movies this week, there was just really nothing to say. 
So having said all that about having nothing to say about other things, let's move on to something I do have something to say about. Our first topic. This story's really weird, and it's funny because I read about it the other day, and I go, whoa, there's something to this. Okay, everyone, let's go ahead and get started with the first story. I actually took a shower. I recorded that first part, went and took a shower. I feel so good. My friend Sabine brought me Easter presents. Dude, I got some candies. I can't eat them because I'm on keto. I'm the only person who gets candy and goes, aw, candy, because I can't eat it, but she brought me some pickles. What? I can eat that, dude. Let's go ahead and get started the episode, okay? I'm I'm freshly showered, and let's go. I'm also wearing my Goldfinger hat, my Goldfinger hat autographed by all the members of Goldfinger. I'm going to have something in the show notes. Go to their Facebook page. They're doing live performances. They're all at their own houses, though. It's pretty cool if you're a Goldfinger fan. And if you're not a Goldfinger fan, why aren't you a Goldfinger fan? Ori, let's start off in the Dead Rabbit rowboat. You know what? No, Ori. Let's start off in the Dead Rabbit Dreadnought. Dun-dun! Camera angles. Of, like, quick cut. You're like, Jason, you have to describe what the cameras are showing before you describe the edits. It's a giant boat you guys play age of empires you know or if you know about history it's those giant like a tree mirror is that what they're called it's this giant boat and has all those oars and the oars are powered like we're not rowing the oars we're too cool um people of lame podcasts lame other lame podcast hosts they're rowing us and we're on the deck we are looking out and it's like super cool all these edits and stuff like that the dead rabbit dreadnought it's this massive ship cutting through the waves. Ori, you're at the helm. You're steering it. Let's head off to the waters surrounding Venezuela. This story is actually interesting because it popped up and then disappeared. There's a website called the, the Maritime Executive. And they really covered the story in depth. And a lot of this information I got from an article written by Mia Bennett. So really, really appreciate the legwork you put in on this, Mia. It's an interesting story. It seems to be fairly short. Some of you guys may have heard of this. On March 30th, what happened? It's kind of a wacky naval news story. And even Mia was like, yeah, people kind of dismiss this as just some weird story, but there's a lot of stuff going on. The RCGS Resolute, this cruise ship, is floating, according to them, in international waters. According to the Venezuelan government, it within Venezuelan territory. It's a German-owned ship flying a Portugal flag. And Portugal and Venezuela, no bueno. They don't like each other. You like that? A little bit of Spanish, bro. So, and I pronounced it correctly. So, what happened was on March 30th, this Coast Guard ship from Venezuela comes up to the Resolute. Now, the Resolute had said the day before, listen, guys, we're in international waters and we're, quote, not under command, which is a maritime code, meaning we can't, we don't have the ability to maneuver. We're pretty, we're not, we're dead in the water, so we could float in any direction. Stay away from us. Stay away from us. But on March 30th, when the Venezuelan Coast Guard shows up, They say, oh no, these guys are clearly within our territorial waters. The Resolute is saying we're making repairs. The Coast Guard goes, you have to get your boat out of here. You're not allowed to be in here. Portugal, Venezuela are not friends right now. There's all these financial disputes and everything going on. The Resolute says we got to call into our boss before we leave. The Coast Guard gives them a little bit of time, but then decides, no, 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 no. So they open fire on the cruise ship. Now, they're not trying to shoot the crewmen. The cruise ship has about 32 people on it. There's no passengers. It's just crew. The Coast Guard vessel has 44 sailors on it. So it's not a tiny little dinghy boat. Now, our giant dreadnought is just kind of floating off in the distance. (laughs) Cutting waves. Still coolly looking edited. All these camera shots. All these miserable podcasters. 
uh, rowing in the bottom. Oh, I wish I listened to Dead Rabbit more often. But they don't, so that's why they're down there rowing. The uh, Dead Rabbit Dreadnought still cutting water out there. Back to the real story, back to what's going on. The Coast Guard starts shooting at the cruise ship. When that doesn't work, they go, well, if you can't maneuver the boat, we're going to crash into your boat to make you point out going out into international waters. Then you don't have to maneuver, bro. Just hit the gas pedal. So they do that. The Coast Guard ship, boink, pokes, like, it doesn't poke. It rams the cruise ship at the bow to move it. I think it's the bow, right? The front of the ship pushes it, pushes it, pushes it. But it's not really working because, one, it's a cruise ship versus a boat that's not built to, you know, be a tugboat or a ram. Two, the Resolute, it was built to do tours around Antarctica. So it had ice-breaking ability, had a heavily reinforced bow, bow, heavily reinforced front of the boat. So after about three or four pushes, the Coast Guard ship starts to take on water. It starts to sink. Now, maritime, I don't know if it's maritime law, but definitely maritime tradition is. If a boat is sinking, no matter their port of call, every boat must come to try to rescue them. That's why you'll have boats sinking, like a Nazi ship gets sunk, by a U.S. sub, and then the U.S. sub will surface and rescue who they can. Didn't happen all the time in war. But in peacetime, it's definitely supposed to happen. If you have a Russian ship that starts to sink, you can't have America be like, nah, 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 nah. Everyone's like, no, like you go to rescue them. It's maritime code. If not law, I don't know if it's actually, you can be troubled for it. According to the Venezuelan Navy, as the ship is taken on water, and they're like, we're sorry for shooting you, we're sorry for shooting you. The ship starts sinking. The cruise ship, the Resolute, shuts off their emergency beacon and slowly, now has the ability, slowly sails away into the night. So, President Maduro of Venezuela called it an act of terrorism. He's trying to get Portugal to be accountable for this. He's trying to get the cruise line to be accountable for this. Another ship did show up to rescue the 44 sailors, so no lives were lost on either side. So right there, that's an interesting story. But Mia Bennett points out some odd things that are going on. One, the Resolute was one of three ships that did this tour around Antarctica. Two are no longer in service. Financial problems. At two different ports, when the Resolute pulled into port, it was arrested, which is a term. It doesn't mean like the boat, bad boys, bad boys, what you want? It wasn't like taken down and got booked. But that means that it was kept there. And cops, authorities stormed the ship and says, this ship can't leave until you pay your debts. That happened in Canada. It also happened down in South America as well. Tickets on this thing was $20,000 to go on a tour around the coast of Antarctica. This last journey of this Resolute ship, they ran out of fuel. And they dumped all their passengers off in Buenos Aires and said, bye, see you guys later. We're leaving. Sorry, no refunds. What are you saying? You want your money back? No, it's too late. We've sailed too far away. We can't hear you. So people were suing this company. You had creditors after this company. The boat kept getting impounded. Company declares bankruptcy. So why is it floating off the coast of Venezuela, giving a command to don't come near us, and then is later seen within Venezuela territory? Well, the conspiracy theory in Venezuela, and this is interesting, because all the little points that don't really make sense, there's a conspiracy theory going among the population of Venezuela that this boat was full of mercenaries coming to overthrow the president of Venezuela. Now, obviously, there's no proof of that, but it does allow people to kind of connect the dots. One, you have a boat outside of their territory 
that gives a command, don't come near us. You have a cruise ship that's bankrupt. But it would be the perfect disguise to smuggle people into the country. Cruise ship just shows up, a bunch of people disembark, wearing Hawaiian shirts, straw hats, carrying M60s. You know, just like a normal day. A normal day. Everyone's like strapped up. Basically, the Expendables 4. Summer break. It would just, you could just walk into the country. That's also the reason why people think they didn't help the sailors. Because even though they were shooting at them, there, there was no war going on. They shut off their emergency beacon and then are able to sail away. Right now they're in Kakako, Karako, Karako. It's a Denmark-owned or Denmark-governed little island in the, um, there, right there. I'm pointing, I'm pointing right at it on a map, dude. You guys totally should see it. My finger's right there. So they were able to leave. People said that's the reason why the Coast Guard wasn't rescued by them. Was because there was a bunch of soldiers on the boat. Nobody knows. That's the thing about conspiracy theories. They're really easy to make up. Really hard to prove or disprove. Now it could be a coincidence that, you know, the boats, you know, flies the Portugal flag. And they do stall out in the territory of their enemy. It's definitely, it's possible, right? But that's a conspiracy theory currently going around Venezuela. We will know. If eventually the president of Venezuela does get overthrown by a bunch of people dressed as tourists, drinking Mai Tais, carrying AK-47s in one hand and a little gift bag in the other. Let's go ahead and move on to... Actually, I didn't plan on this story, but I find this story interesting. I've talked about this for a while because I do a lot of stuff. I, I really like observing subcultures. Longtime listeners of the show have heard me talk about that a lot. I've recently discovered one of the most bizarre... It's a subculture I've always been aware of, but it's not something I knew was so readily talked about. We're leaving behind the dead rabbit dreadnought. Ori, take us up in the carpenter copter. We're flying out to any town USA. Any town USA. So we're going to Reddit for this story. And in this story, we're going to meet a man who one day is gardening in his yard. This is a story of paranormal activity, is how he describes it. Paranormal activity. He's gardening in his yard, and he gets a notification on the phone. do 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 Like, what? Pulls his phone out, looks at it. <gasps> it says, Facebook has deleted your photo due to community guidelines. And it has a little picture of the photo. It's a picture of his genitals. Now, he freaks out, because he didn't post this photo. He knows 100% he didn't post this photo. He took the photo, and he sent it to a girl he was dating. But he didn't post it on Facebook. What? That's insane. He would never do that. Never do that. And he's sweating, and he's thinking that, he goes, I have all my business clients on Facebook. I have all my friends, members of my church are on Facebook. Did someone see this and report it, or was it immediately flagged? And he's panicking. And then he realizes that it was immediately flagged. So it didn't go through. And this is where he ends his Reddit post. This just seems so weird because there's many events like this, but not as bad, that have been happening for the past two days. Is anyone else experiencing stuff like this? He's asking the Reddit community in this thread. And then he has a too long, didn't read. Here's his too long, didn't read. This is how he ends off the Reddit post. Coming down off meth and things keep happening that are unexplainable. There is a community, okay, and, and, so this is weird, right? So this dude is, basically, he's high on meth, and a dick pic appears on his Facebook feed, which he didn't do. He thinks a paranormal activity did this, right? Also in this post, he goes, you want to know what else is weird, guy, fellow meth users? You want to know what else is weird? 
I posted this on my Reddit, took a nap, woke up, the post was gone. This is paranormal activity. I found his original post. I go, oh, I want to see what else this guy posted. He posted the same thing like two hours earlier. A little more detail, but the same story. There is a Reddit community called rmeth. A subreddit, I guess is the term, meth. It's all just meth. I didn't know this existed. I didn't know this stuff was allowed. I mean, that might sound super naive, but I thought Reddit was more policed than that. Because I'm always hearing about them shutting down subreddits. But there's one where people just, it's so gross, dude. Like, I'll be scrolling through it, and I i can, I, I feel like it damages my soul just going to the subreddit. Because I can smell them. It's so gross. Like, you go to it, and I'm scrolling through it, and I can almost smell the BO and that, that chemical, that formaldehyde smell. Ugh, it's so gross. And there's multiple photos of just like, dude, check out my meth pipe. Check out the... I'm learning all this stuff. Crack back. Sounds like a terrible thing, right? Someone goes, what happened to you? Oh, I got crack back. You would think, oh no, do I need to take you to hospital? Apparently that's something they like, where your your crack or your... It's crank, it's meth, but it's supposed to shatter like glass or something like that. Super gross. And I've also been going to this other one because what happened was Mike, I looked at them a while back. I couldn't believe they, they existed. This subreddit existed. And then I thought, I wonder how drug and alcohol abusers are dealing with this. Cause I'll see articles about people going relapsing because, you know, their, their AA groups are gone. Meth community is doing fine. I totally went on to the subreddit for meth. They're not having problem with it at all. They're like, oh yeah, dude, I got enough Tina for this weekend, blah, 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 blah. Opiates, there's a subreddit for opiates, they're not having a really good time. And I guess it kind of makes sense because I've had friends that have done meth and they're absolutely miserable to be around. They're completely insufferable. But when they don't have meth, they just slow down and are pretty depressed. When someone doesn't have heroin, they're, they basically have the coronavirus. And that was one thing I saw a lot on the opiates board where people were like, am I going through withdrawal or should I go to a ICU? Because your bones hurt, you got a fever, you're sweating, your legs are shaking, horrible nausea, sometimes you're throwing up. So that's a lot. At opiate, they're like my heroin dealer, he, he can't get anything, nothing's coming. Some people are like, oh, I got my dark web supply and stuff like that. But again, some people might be trolling, you can never tell, but... Meth, the meth users seem to be taking all this in stride. The heroin users are having a really hard time with this. And then there's another one. There's AA on Reddit, which is awesome that you can have the support. There's another subreddit called Crippling Alcoholism, where they celebrate drinking. And those people are like, they're doing fine too, because they're like, I don't have to work. I'm just, or I'm working at home and I'm just drinking all day. And I'm like, oh my God. How do these subreddits stay up? I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of censorship. But if you're going to be shutting down these other subreddits for various reasons, then I think people saying hateful stuff versus how to best indulge in your meth habit. Like someone calling someone else a name or calling someone some race a name or some gender a name, whatever. Telling people that these are the multiple, these are the best ways to, and so many of the posts on opiates are like, I might snort my heroin but I'll never inject it. And other people are like, yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. And I'm like, why is this ugh. such a bizarre subculture? But the meth, yeah. And the the thing is too, the meth, 
Originally, I was subscribed to the Reddit subreddit meth. I had a hard time telling, like, I, there would be, like, shadowmen are chasing me, and I'd be like, is that from a paranormal subreddit I'm following, or the meth, oh, it's the meth subreddit. Like, so many of it is shadowmans and phantom camera pictures. There's such a huge connection between the methamphetamine community and the paranormal community that it kind of raises a bit of an alarm, really. But, um, yeah, I stopped subscribing to subreddit. I did go back to subreddit. I did go back to the meth one recently. And the opiates. And I was thinking, what other drug users would be absolutely miserable now? But it's funny, there's no subreddit I could find for crack. Because the last thing, when you're on crack, I don't think you own a phone. Like, when you are so into crack, you're on their subreddit, I don't think you have access to the internet. I think you've sold the internet for crack. You have nothing. But to my friends out there who do have substance abuse issues, I really hope you guys are getting through this very well. It's not... I hope you guys, one, are being really good on your recovery. It's a super stressful time. Super stressful time. But now's not the time to go back. Because a lot of drugs and alcohol and stuff like that, when you go through withdrawal or if you mess up that, you will have symptoms similar to the coronavirus. And then you just issued a whole thing. So, guys, stay strong during this whole time period. Um you know, I know that it's probably rough if you are dealing with those issues, but we are all here for you. All of the Dead Rabbit listeners are here for you if you guys are struggling with that. Just keep going. We're going to get through this together. For those of you who don't have the substance abuse issues, who have issues with, like, say, food or just laziness or despair or depression, we're all going to get through this. We're all going to get through this. And it's not paranormal if your genital pics get put on Facebook. You probably did it in a meth binge, Reddit guy. But I hope that you get help, too. I hope that you find the help you need. I'm not telling this story to mock you. I'm telling this story to just kind of get it out there that, one, there does seem to be a big connection between the meth and meth community and the paranormal community. I'll have to really kind of think about that and, and see what that means. But two, I don't really think it's something that should be celebrated. I find it bizarre. This might sound a little preachy. I just find it bizarre that these subreddits are tolerated on Reddit. But uh, they are. And if you want to take a deeper dive into the world of drugs without doing them, you want to take a look into those subcultures you can find them on reddit but just be aware the meth (laughs) somehow the meth reddit stinks like it literally stinks i don't know i don't know how it works but you can smell it let's move on to our next story that technically wasn't planned i had notes on it but i was going to save that for a later episode ori let's go ahead and fire up that carpenter one last time we are leaving behind any town usa we're headed out to mexico Now, we're going back to the year 1986. It's May 30th, and I got this story from thinkaboutitdocs.com. It's easily becoming one of my favorite websites. You also got to check out Vertigo22's website. I'll put that website in the show notes as well. Very, very well-written stuff about all these conspiracies. Check his stuff out as well. I'm going to go back there, too, look for some more stuff. But let's go ahead and fly on down to Mexico right now. And this was on thinkaboutitdocs.com. The source they got it from was a... a group called or a magazine called OVNI Contacto or Contacto OVNI. It's a Mexican UFO group. So we're headed down to Mexico. The story takes place in 1986. It's May 30th. We're going to hop on our bicycles now. We're little BMX bandits doing tricks. Woo! Spinning the handlebars. around. I hate bicycles. I almost said the F word there. I've had so many bicycle accidents in my life, like really bad ones. I could do a whole episode just about bicycle accidents. I'm not... But, ugh, I hate bikes. Anyways, 
That being said, we're riding. I'm walking. I'm on a, I don't like skateboards either. I'm flying. I'm, I'm hovering a foot off the ground. I'm on a hoverboard. You're on a bicycle. And we're going down the street. And also coming down the street is Carlos. He's a young dude who's leaving his parents' house and he's headed home. Now, it doesn't say how old he is, but I would imagine if he's headed to his house, early 20s, if he's still riding a bicycle, early 20s, he figures, I could take the main road, but there's a lot of traffic. This is in Colonia Ano de Juarez, Mexico. So I think that's what, the colony of Juarez, so Juarez, Mexico. Anyways, he's in this town. He's riding his bicycle down the street, and he doesn't want to really deal with traffic, so he's taking a side street, kind of a country road that takes him home. To the place where he belongs. And while he's riding down that lonely road, he sees in front of him luminous eyes. Large luminous eyes, as he describes them. It's 8.30 p.m., so he has a little light on his bicycle. And it takes him a second to think, is my light... First off, oh my god, there's giant eyes in front of me. But they're about 500 meters away. So what is that in feet? Like, I don't know, 700 feet? Something like that. I I have no idea. I'm not going to bother looking it up. It's a long way away, okay? So he's looking at these eyeballs, and he's thinking, is it my light flashing on something that's lighting up these eyes? But as he gets closer to the object, or whatever it is, the bicycle light fades. This is very common. We see this in UFO stories. A lot of times the cars die. They can't be powered anymore. Car engine dies. Headlights go off. Radio goes off. Everything like that. But he's on a bicycle. This is an interesting thing. Bicycles aren't powered electronically, if you didn't know. I'm a bicycle expert myself, as much as I despise their existence. They're powered by man. So, the light goes out. But he's still pedaling. Again, classic UFO lore is the car dies. So, this is an interesting... This is what makes this story believable. This is a detail that I don't think someone would make up on the fly. The story still needs the vehicle to stop, correct? Because that's what happens in... UFO stories. Betty from Betty and Barney Hill all the way to very, very recent UFO stories. Cars driving down the lonely road, dies. He's on a bike. What happens in this story is his legs start to get heavy. He can barely move them. The bike's just going. Comes to a stop because he can't pedal it. That's an interesting thing. That's an interesting detail. In all these stories, the vehicle stops. And in this one, it's not a mechanical failure. It's a biomechanical failure. His legs don't work anymore. At this point, he's about four meters away from the eyes. The eyes haven't moved at this point. And he's ordered to get off of his bike and to follow him. So Carlos is following this set of eyes through the darkness. And they leave the road and they're cutting across this field. And he says, I can never get closer than four meters to this creature. Couldn't really see what it was because it was still dark. Just knew that it had those giant eyes. And it's funny, I'm wondering now if it was walking backwards, if he saw the eyes the whole time, or if when the alien turned around, he's like, where'd you go? Where'd you go? And the alien's like, over here. But anyways, he leads Carlos onto a glowing object. The terminology in this story is interesting as well. Leads him onto a glowing object. It has a little ramp. Come out of it. Doesn't say UFO, doesn't say disc or teardrop or circle or cigar, whatever. It's simply an object, a glowing object. Maybe the light was too bright for him to even see what it was. But he does see the ramp, and he follows the creature up onto the ship. Now, at this point, 
he's able, the ship is very, very well lit. So he's able to kind of get a feel for what these things look like. The ship is a standard UFO layout. You're like, Jason, there's no such thing as a standard UFO layout. You know what I mean? If you've seen a sci-fi movie, control panels, beep, bop, boop, little lights and stuff like that, right? He sees that there's three small dudes. Basically, he describes them as gray aliens. They have big black eyes when they're not being lit up in the darkness. Skin. Like, obviously, they have skin. They're just a collection of organs and tendons that just kind of... I'll get to the skin in a second. They have uh, ear, little ear holes, little nose holes, a slit for a mouth. Those are all big heads. Those are all telltale signs of a uh, gray alien. But he has some interesting details, too. He sees these three little ones, but then he sees a taller alien. It has the same features, the same face, the giant head, the big black eyes, gray alien. But he, again, there's some weird features that kind of separate these from our traditional gray aliens. They have no necks. The head sits directly on the shoulders like this. I guess you can't see, but you can imagine what would make your voice change. Head sat directly on the shoulders. The big one had a hump, a hump on his back that he wanted everyone to check out. How does that song go? My humps, my humps, my humps. I don't know. Anyways. The point is, is that let's get back to let's get back to something that actually matters. This story, <laughs> alien has a big old hump on his back, no neck. His skin is gray, like typical gray. But a lot of times, alien the gray aliens are described as like plastic, plasticky alien or soft. They he said it looked like elephant skin. Now it's possible that this one he was looking at was exceedingly old, an ancient gray alien. But he said that the the main alien skin looked, reminded him of elephant skin. Very leathery and rough. Still gray, though. Again, interesting details. Interesting details. If someone was making this story up, they're really going out of their way. They One, they know UFO allure enough. And then, two, if you were making it up, I, I, I don't know. I just, something seems authentic about this story. But it doesn't mean, it could definitely be made up. I've been fooled before. Let's keep going, though. The oddest thing about this guy is that his fingers, he didn't have fingers, right? Like, he didn't have fingers. They, well, he had them, but they were like tree roots. So they just, he he said they were like filaments at a normal hand. And then the fingers just became all like, like big old rutabagas, but like not big old rutabagas, skinny little rutabagas. And they just kind of ended on little gross tips. That's disgusting to me. I would not want to be touched by someone with rutabagas for fingers. I mean, Anna, I also would, I would like to be able to pronounce that word, but if I could pronounce that word, still don't want to be touched by them. It sounds disgusting. That sounds alien. So many of like reptilians, they have human fingers, but claws and Pleiadians just have human hands. And gray aliens tend to have, you know, five fingers. They have human hands. Not grody elephant skin, big old gross rutabaga fingers. Right? So anyways, as Carlos is trying not to throw up at this dude, the alien's like, like what you see? Also, they're totally naked. But to be fair, he doesn't describe any sex organs. So that also points to the fact that gray aliens just seem to be sexless. Right? So now we get to the point of the story where generally they get the tour of the ship. But even here we find some interesting interesting details. Carlos is now standing on the ship. And again, he says he, he felt like he didn't have a choice. He felt like he was ordered to follow onto the ship. The aliens talk to him and they go, do you want to go back to our, quote, place of origin? 
And he goes, no, no, I don't. He's terrified. And he gets this telepathic message, and they said, don't worry, we don't hurt humans. Like, don't be afraid of us. They ask him if he wants to go back to their place of origin. He goes, no, I don't want to. You're spooky, and your fingers are gross. Aliens look at each other. They're like, yeah, they're pretty disgusting. But let us show you what our place of origin is like. And they go, and they hit this button, and this screen pops up. Now, I'm going to pause right here, because I think it's weird that they refer to it as their place of origin, not planet. Because in every other UFO story, we come from the star system Andromeda. We come from Clostar 4, a planet orbiting what you call Betelgeuse. This one, they refer to it as their place of origin, which makes you think... They're not from another planet. It's weird terminology. That could be a translation error, because this was coming from a Spanish story. But even then, you think the translation error would simply be from Spanish to English planet. Unless they were specifically saying place of origin. So are these aliens from another dimension? Are they from here? Because what they show is a vast desert wasteland. So it could have been Las Vegas, for all I know. But... The fact that they're not referring it to as a planet makes me think that it's like interdimensional, which is kind of my view of aliens in the first place. That being said, these aliens use the term place of origin twice. And so when they hit the button and they pull up the display, they say, this is our place of origin. It's a vast desert wasteland, which that would also explain why they're at Earth so much, because Earth is awesome. We only have like two or three really big deserts and the rest of it's surrounded by lush, beautiful water and green stuff and really hot human women and all sorts of stuff. So rutabaga fingers, I'm sure that you would want to come here all the time. Now, they also tell him, we have the ability to change shape at will. And they give him what's described as a brief demonstration. And then he's surrounded in blackness. He doesn't tell us what the brief demonstration is when Carlos is telling the story. He doesn't say what the brief demonstration is. The alien could have been like, ta-da, my hand is now has eight fingers. Eight disgusting fingers. Or it could have been a full body morph. We don't know. He just said they gave him a brief description. The next thing he knew, he is shrouded in darkness. And then he's laying on that country road. His bike next to him. It's 10 p.m. An hour and a half had passed since he first saw the eyeballs. But now he's all alone. The next part's pretty explainable. For the next two weeks, full-on insomnia. Could not sleep. And when he did fall asleep, hideous nightmares. He never ate a rutabaga again. I don't know if that part's true. I wouldn't. But horrible nightmares. He couldn't sleep. He didn't want to sleep. And when he did close his eyes, he would just have these fearful dreams. He also noticed that he had a red mark circling his belly button and red circles under his armpits. Ringworm, maybe, I don't know. Could He could have just been laying in the dirt for an hour and a half. Worms were crawling into his armpits, crawling out his belly button. But he does eventually go, you know what? Something really weird happened that night. I'm going to undergo hypnosis, which seems to be a lot of people who are in UFO abductees take that step. Because obviously, if you go through this traumatic event, you're going to start looking for resources of other people who've gone through it. And a lot of times in these resources, people who've been abducted, they get hypnotized because they want to know what else could have happened. He remembers two things. And this is where the story, I think, gets super bizarre. 
Like, that is all pretty creepy anyways. It's a weird description of the aliens. They're not talking about planets. He was under their command. The whole thing about the bicycle slowing down is a very, very weird, authentic detail. Then he has these two things that come out of the hypnosis. One of them is he remembers another part of the ship. So the leader alien, that the big one he considered was the the leader. He just I don't know why, but I just had the feeling he was the leader. And that's another thing. A lot of UFO contactee stories will be like, I could tell who was the leader. The leader leads him into this room, and it was this room full of what he said looked like phone booths. And the alien goes, get in one of those phone booths, young Carlos. Get inside there. And he gets into the phone booth. This would be a weird, creepy thing to remember, because it's a fragment of a memory. He doesn't know what happened after this. He gets in the phone booth. Oh, it's not an actual phone booth. There's not a phone and a yellow page is there. A lot of you guys are too really young to remember phone booths. I've used phone booths. That's how old I am. I remember I used to have a pager. Do-do-do. I'd be like, oh, okay, i got to drive another mile. There's a phone booth over there. Get out by the Blockbuster video. Get on the phone. Hey, what's up? He gets in the phone booth, and he's bathed in a blue light. Now, the room is full of phone booths, right? And directly across from the phone booth that he's in, he appears. Not teleportation. He's still in his phone booth, but when the blue light goes away, he looks in that phone booth, and there's a clone of him. Memory ends. That's terrifying. That's something that you would be hypnotized and be like, can you, can you do like reverse hypnotism? Can you make me forget that? Because then you're going to have the idea that there's another you out there. Which is really like mental illness 101. Doppelgangers, clones. That's like, that's scary. Because then if you do have a thing where you're like, who posted this thing on my... That guy obviously was suffering, he was having meth problems. He posted it on accident or on purpose in meth psychosis. If it happened to you, you may go, that's weird, I'm not a drug user, I'm totally in in charge of my facilities, and maybe it was a glitch. But if you knew you had a clone out there... Every time your keys went missing, every time someone goes, hey, I saw you at the bowling alley. Someone comes up to you and go, didn't I see you at the bowling alley the other day? You'd be like, no, I haven't gone to the bowling alley in a while. The person would go like, oh. And then you would just figure someone who just looked like you, or maybe your friend saw someone from the back. If you knew there was a clone out there, you would call, whenever it's like, hey, man, long time no see. You'd be like, was it me you last saw, or was it my clone? What? What? Are you okay? I don't know. Am I okay or am I my clone? Like, how? That's, oh my God, I wouldn't even think about that. How would you even know that you're the one back on Earth? Maybe the clone is on Earth and Carlos is still in the ship. You would never know. You would always wonder. You would go to sleep and then you'd wake up and you'd think, was I replaced by my clone in the middle of the night? Would the clone know? That, again, is like mental, that's like a mental delusion 101 type of thinking. But this guy saw his clone be created. And again, you would, for what purpose? So that's creepy detail. And it opens a whole host of things. We talk about reptilian shapeshifters taking over. I'm queen of England now. Let me go lay on this rock to regulate my body temperature. Ah, yes. And soon I will rule the world. You got people who believe that. 
And now, and, but now you have aliens who are just like, boop, here's a clone of the Queen of England. Oh, wait, that one died. Boop, here's another one. Like, we can just keep making them, keep her alive as long as we have our rutabaga fingers pulling the strings of the world. Instant clones is creepy, but it'd be even creepier knowing there was a clone of you. And then he has another memory that comes out of this hypnosis. The aliens said, they will return. They will return. They turn to Carlos and they say, you will know we are going to return because you will hear, quote, this is what the aliens actually said to him. When they return, there will be the, quote, sounds of distant thunder. That's a super evocative phrase and terrifying. Now, I know some people like the sound of storms and thunder and it's peaceful and it's white noise and stuff like that. But in our caveman brain, that's a sound of unbridled nature. Like, we may have trained ourselves to kind of like the idea of, like, a thunderstorm when we're in our house. But if you're out on the plains or the prairie, there's something very primal about a raging storm coming to our caveman brains. Even, Even up until, like, the 1700s, 1800s. When you heard that thunder coming, you you knew bad stuff was going to happen. Could be a little rainstorm help your crops. Could be a massive storm that's going to bury everything. Flood the area. And now you have an alien using basically human terminology. I mean, I guess there's storms on other planets, but we don't have a monopoly on that. I think Jupiter probably does. But you know what I mean? The idea, I wonder what thunder sounds like on Jupiter. It probably wouldn't sound like it does here, right? Because the atmosphere is different. Maybe it sounds like really high-pitched and, and not not intimidating at all. But yeah, because all the helium, right? One of the That's a joke. That was a joke, guys. Don't bombard me with, I don't know anything about science again. The sounds of distant thunder. It sounds almost biblical, really. I actually thought it was a quote from the Bible. I actually tried looking it up. Because that sounds like something you'd see in the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel or any book where they were talking about prophecies. The sound of distant thunder will herald the return of the aliens. A very, very evocative phrase. It, it gets right into our primal brain of something destructive and unstoppable. And it's being told to this young man in a fragment of a memory. And aliens telling them that not only will we return, but you will know we will return because of the sounds of distant thunder. Now, does that mean that they're going to return as an invading force? Even though they said they don't hurt humans. They may not hurt humans the way humans try not to hurt pets or cattle. Oh, well, we kill them for food, but we try to make it as humane as possible, right? Could it be the sound of a fleet of ships? Cracking the dimensional wall. Or could it be something more personal, more terrifying? That someday, any day really, Carlos, now no longer a young man, now older, now it's 2020. This experience was 24 years ago. He has a wife, he has a family. And then he hears the sounds of distant thunder.
He's heard a lot of rainstorms since 1986. And they always sense a chill down his spine. But this time, it sounds a little more primal. A little more raw. And he steps out onto his patio. And he sees himself perfectly aged to where he is at now. 24 years older. Looking at him, standing in his backyard. And as he's staring at himself in that backyard, his family completely unaware, just a few feet away, the switch takes place. A human man replaced by a clone. The sound of distant thunder fades away. And now an alien agent walks into his house. Smiles at his kids. Knows that this has happened all over the world at the same time. There's thousands of these clones out there now. Just getting ready for the next phase of the plan. Just getting ready to hear the thunder again. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Dead Rabbit Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Stay safe, be kind. I love you guys, and I will see you tomorrow.